All right, how y'all doing this morning? Good. If I can get my iPad on here, we'll be doing all right. If not, I got a little paper backup, so, because I'm old. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh, there it goes. Hey, yeah, great. Good week for Thanksgiving because I can give thanks right now. Okay. <laughs> Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Your family enjoy that time together and just a great time to be able to recognize all that God's done for us as individuals and, and we as a church. Thank you so much for taking part in Operation Christmas Child and bringing in these boxes and and uh, we're looking forward to Christmas, and we're going to be doing the You've Been Gifted stuff again this year, so hopefully you'll take part in that, have an impact on the community around you. We're looking forward to a great December. And uh, boy, we, uh, we started our new series a couple of weeks ago. If you remember, Pastor Kevin started us off. We're looking at a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, um, some of Jesus' most well-known teachings and uh, Kevin started there at the beginning of the chapter with that whole issue of judging and how we should understand that. And it's really important in our culture that we understand that because so many people have misunderstood that and apply it wrongly. So great for us to be able to think on that correctly. And then Jesus moves on to the topic of prayer. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that, but reactions to prayer tend to be all over the place. They're all over the map. I mean, some people, when they hear that, you're probably like, no thanks. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not interested. I, I don't, you know, it sounds boring. You know, I don't know what picture comes into your mind, but maybe it's, you know, people chanting in robes. And I don't know. But, but you're just, you're, you've already checked out. For other people, it's guilt. You know, they, they hear prayer, they believe in prayer, they think it's a good thing to do, they just don't do much of it. And so because of time or because of effort or because of not knowing how, they, they just don't do much of it. And so when they hear the topic prayer, immediately they feel guilty. Other people, they do prayer. You know, they, they, they are about it, but it's more of a routine for them. You know, they just sort of go through the motions. It's not real, really much life there for them. They don't, they don't feel energized by it. They just go through it. No real life. But then there's other people. And for those people, prayer, they're so grateful for it. I mean, it's, it's like the, their lifeblood. This is what grabs them. This is what re-energizes them. Just to be able to spend time, they're so thankful to be able to talk to God and know that he hears them. And the more we know of it and the more we experience it, the more vital it becomes to us. So what we want to do today is look at Matthew 7, see a few things there that help us with prayer no matter where we're at in our perceptions or our preconceived ideas about it. So we're looking at these very familiar verses Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, that says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, 
It will be opened. Great verses that can shape our thinking when it comes to prayer. And the first thing I want us to notice here is the clarity of, of it. The clarity of prayer. And here it is. Like so much of what we see about prayer in Scripture, there's no, there are no complicated thoughts here. Okay? It's, instead, clearly we see some things. Clearly we see the idea of prayer being persistent. In fact, the verb tense here tells us that this is a, sort of an ongoing. When it says seek, the ask, seek, knock, the idea is keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's stressing that point that we shouldn't give up, that we shouldn't quit. Luke's account of this in his gospel really brings this out. In fact, in Luke 11, where Luke records the same information, he also records a story that Jesus told to illustrate what he's saying. All about a guy who come, goes over to his friend's house in the middle of the night and wants to borrow some bread. Think about that. You know, think if that happened to you tonight. You know, you're at home, you're in bed, and then there's somebody pounding on your door and you realize it's your neighbor and he wants to borrow some bread. Okay. I mean, you're probably at that time thinking, this is not my favorite neighbor, you know, and, and you're probably like, have you lost your mind? Walmart's open, you know. And that's basically what this guy in Jesus' story says. He tells him to stop bothering me. But Jesus points out that because of the guy's persistence, the fact that he just won't quit, the second guy will get up and get him some bread. And that's the point. Our persistence in prayer brings answers. Not that we bug God into giving us what we want. But what he's saying here is if even a grumpy neighbor will get up and give you what you want because you're asking because you won't quit, how much more will a gracious heavenly father who wants to provide for us answer our prayers? And he honors that persistence because it shows our dependence on him and our faith in him to answer. So we clearly see the idea of persistence in prayer. We also clearly see that prayer can be progressive. You look at these words that are used here, ask, seek, knock. And some look at that and say, well, he's just, he's saying the same thing. He's just saying it in different ways like we tend to do when we're stressing a point. But I don't think that's what's going on here. I think there is, an, a, there is an, a, a, a progression in these words. It gets more intense, it gets more aggressive. Ask. It's just a general sort of asking. You know, it's probably a, like a lot of the lists we do in our prayers with, with many requests. And so probably a lot of us go through those prayer requests that we have. Maybe we've actually written down our request. We've got that list and we run through that list. That's what this is talking about. As we have needs, we pour them out one right after the other. And there's probably a big percentage of our time in prayer spent on those requests Jesus is telling us here, keep those up, keep asking. But then there's a progression, seek. That's a step up, that's more intense, that's more aggressive. We're now pursuing, and I don't think it's us pursuing our own answers to our prayers, it's us pursuing God. Some requests, you know, they move us 
they, they begin to weigh on us. Our requests sometimes for others or for ourselves, are, they be, gain intensity. They become more focused. They become more energized. And we start to be attached to those requests. In, in my own life, I have people I pray for regularly, people, a lot of them people here in our church. And I, and I ask those requests, but then sometimes individuals and the needs that they're in, are in individuals' lives, you know, they grab hold of you, don't they? And you begin to seek God for them. You're pursuing him because your heart is moved for them. Uh, some of you know, Becky and I have, have uh, some friends of ours. They've been uh, friends of ours for nearly 30 years now. The name's David and Amy. And we put on a prayer request a little while back. We got word that David uh, had uh, been diagnosed with ALS. And the doctors told him he had six months to live. Well, you know, immediately we're praying for them. And I've continued to pray for them. They're strong believers, you know, and, and I'm thankful for their friendship, and we're just allowing God to work in their lives. But it hit me a little bit you know, a week or so ago. You know, I've been praying for them now for a couple of months. And it's like, wow. They, they told David six months. It's, it's down to four. And it just grabbed me. And so my prayers went from asking to seeking. You know, I just, and I'm seeking God for them. I want him to move in their lives. I want him to be glorified in their lives. I want to see something done in them that would bring honor to God. And I want their needs met. And I want them knowing the comfort and the peace of knowing him. See, there's a, there's a progression there when we begin to seek. We move from the simple general request to to something that is more intense. And then it steps up again. Jesus gets even more intense to knock. It's a pounding on the door. Not because we're trying to get his attention. We know that he hears us. But because we're so desperate for what we're praying about. And we've probably all been there, right? I mean, there's been times in our lives where we're facing something so, so difficult like the loss of someone we love or, or dealing with a rebellious child or facing some serious illness or our marriage is falling apart and we're desperate and so we're pounding on the door, right? We've all been there for one reason or another at the darkest, heaviest times of our lives, times where we maybe can't even find the words and so what we're doing is simply crying out to God. That's how intense it is. And that's the progression that we see here. We ask, we seek, we knock. And probably most of us have experienced that progression in our own prayer lives. What Jesus is pointing out to us here is that when we pray and we're persistent in it, no matter where we are in the progression of our requests, when we pray, we receive. Jesus makes a definite statement which should do away with the old question that so many people ask when they're going through difficult times or they have a specific request. Does God really hearing me? Is he listening? 
There's no question. He's listening. There's an urban legend about Franklin Roosevelt. Don't have any way of proving it or disproving it. I, I doubt that this really happened. But the story goes that Franklin Roosevelt got tired of the receiving lines at the White House. He thought people came through them. They really didn't pay any attention to what was being said. You know, just sort of, again, going through the motions. And so he decided one day, he, he knew he was going to be facing another receiving line. And so he decided he would put it to a test. And he decided just to murmur something to see how people responded. And so the line he came up with was, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> I murdered my grandmother this morning. Just to see how people would respond. And they started coming through the line and they responded just like normal. Marvelous, Mr. President. <laughs> Good job, Mr. President. Keep it up, Mr. President. He said, finally, towards the end of the line, an ambassador from Bolivia caught the words. And, and, and he stepped back for a second, and then he leaned in and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> when we pray, it's not like God isn't paying attention. It's not like the line's too long. It's not like he doesn't understand. No, he hears every word and he knows every thought and he responds. Jesus says it here. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone. Not just a few, not just some special people. And, and of course, we know some of the conditions. We know God's not some cosmic vending machine. He's not a genie in a bottle, he's not some giant Santa Claus in the sky. So a lot of times we get on this topic and what we wanna do is we wanna point out the restrictions, the limitations, and it's legitimate to do that. As we think about prayer in the light of scripture, we know this isn't a blank check. There are some restrictions here. Many of the promises we know in scripture are just for believers. And we need to be living, we need to be living in obedience. And we need to have right motives. And we need to be submitted to God's will. All of these are legitimate limitations. It's all true. But sometimes I think in pointing out the limitations, our focus becomes the limitations. And we miss the breadth of what's said, the vastness of what's given to us through prayer. It's a, it's a little like going across western Nebraska. You know, you've been there, a lot of us have been there going across western Nebraska or western South Dakota. You know, there's nothing there, hundreds of miles, there's nothing there. And most people hate it. I love it. I enjoy that. It's just to, me, to me, when you're traveling along there and there's nothing out there, and then all of a sudden you, 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 get, you decide you're going to get something to eat and you find some little dusty town and, and a little restaurant where they're serving you just some home-cooked type food. It's, it, to me, it's great. But you're driving across there, it's just hundreds and hundreds of miles of nothing. Imagine, if you could, with me, if you were a cow. I know it's weird. Go with me on this, okay? <laughs> It'll be a moving experience. <laughs> 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 
I know, some of you thought that was utterly ridiculous. <laughs> You're out there on, these, on the Great Plains, and you've got all these hundreds of acres to graze on. But what you do is you get focused on the fence. And all you notice is the fence. And the fence is what you spend your time thinking about. And you want to make sure all the other cows know about the fence. So that's what you talk to them about. Where the fence is. When all along, there are hundreds of miles of open prairie. Sometimes, I think that's what we're doing when we focus on the restrictions. And again, it's good for us to know those. We can't miss what they're saying, but we also can't miss what Jesus is saying. Because what Jesus is saying here is mind-blowing. If you ask, everyone who asks receives. We ask and we receive. All those requests that we pour out, we receive. He answers. Maybe not in the way we'd like or the way we'd imagine, but still we receive. And we seek him, and we find, and we knock, and the door is open. We're pounding on the door, crying out to God, and the door is open. That's great news for us, because this is the almighty God who's promising to us to respond to you and me. It's like a vast open prairie of God providing. And it's the same great news about God hearing and answering that we've been told throughout all of scriptures. Think about the Old Testament. Because he's a giving God and he never changes, he's always, he's always been this way, he'll always be this way. I want you to listen to some verses. They're not gonna be on the screen, okay? And I'm not gonna give you the references. I just want you to listen to the verses. I want you to listen to the words. The first one, God's speaking himself. He says, call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. Call on me in the day of trouble. You having difficulties? God's promising, I'll deliver you. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. And this is great. <laughs> I love this one. Before they call, I will answer. Isn't that good? Before that thing that's weighing on your heart, before you opened your mouth, to mention that to him. He was answering that request. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. 
Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. See, God's always answered. The promise has always been there and it always will be. And you want to know how God answers? Well, Jesus uses some unique illustrations here where his giving, his giving is compared to our giving. So the second thing I want us to notice is the contrast. Verse 9 says, Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So here's Jesus saying, I want you to understand this about God answering, the Father answering. And he says, hey, if a son asks a father for some bread, he, Jesus asks this rhetorical question, when his son is asking for bread, would you give the son a stone? And his point is, nobody would do that. The kid's hungry. You're going to find him some food. Or how about if he was asking for a fish? Would the dad give his son a snake? By the way, this one's doubly wrong. You know, just on a physical level, the son wants a fish. You know, who's going to give him a snake? But also, snakes were unclean according to Old Testament law. So no loving Jewish father would try to trick his son into breaking the law. See, this is even worse than the stone. The stone would be a trick. It might be mean. It might not be right. But this one would be harmful. It would be harmful to the son spiritually. No father would do this. No real father would mock the needs of his children. We all know better than that, even though we're all, as Jesus says here, evil. And when he says that, he's talking about all of us, not just the really bad ones. We're all evil because we're all born with sin natures. We were born that way. But as sinful people, even we know how to give good gifts to our children. But catch the contrast. As good a job as we do of taking care of our kids and giving them good things, how much more? Will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? It's so good. There's no real comparison. We're sinners, but we still give good gifts. How much better is our heavenly Father, and how much better are his gifts to us, coming from his perfection and love for us? This is just great news for us to know, and great information, and great life-changing information to know about him and about prayer. But Jesus is about to take us a step further. See, there's another reason we should learn here, another lesson we should learn here. Verse 12 is a really well-known verse. People who don't even go to church know this one. It's, it's sort of the Mount Everest of the Sermon on the Mount. It's what we know as the golden rule. And the name for that was something that given... Uh, by Roman uh, Emperor Alexander Severus, who lived about 200 years after Jesus. He wasn't a believer, but he liked this verse so much that he had it engraved on his wall in gold. Golden rule. Sounds so good, even those who don't know Jesus try to live by this rule. 
But I think we've made a mistake here. We, we make it sound really good. You know, it's a golden rule. It makes us feel good inside to think about it. The problem is what Jesus is teaching is radical and downright impossible without him. It's so tough, so stringent that we can't do this on our own. There's no living this out apart from him. What's interesting is that others have said similar things. Uh, Confucius, Hillel, the rabbi, uh, Socrates all said something like this, but they always put it in the negative. Something like, don't do to people what you don't want done to you. It's what some have called the silver, silver rule because it's inferior to the golden rule. It's inferior because you can keep the silver rule by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> with Jesus, he turns it around and puts it in the positive. And with Jesus, we have to do something. And that something is going to cost us. So I want us to notice the cost. Verse 12 says, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. In every, so good, so simple, but so huge. In everything, there are no options to do differently. In everything, therefore. Notice that word, because what he's doing is he's tying this back to what he's just said. So here's the deal. Here's what it's, this is really about. How we are to treat others, yeah, it's about how we want them to treat us, but it's also about how the Father in heaven treats us, how he answers our prayers. And because our heavenly Father treats us the way he does, the way Jesus has just described for us, in that same way, that's how we should treat other people. And that's not just the people we like. That's not just the people that are easy to, to treat nicely. That's everyone. The people that bug us, the people that irritate us, the people that make others uncomfortable, the people that others try to avoid. There's people with needs all around us. It's also the people that we say we love you also do things that bug us sometimes, right? We're supposed to treat them like the Father treats us and like the way we want other people to treat us, our spouse, our in-laws. Our kids, our parents. If we would do to all people the things we want done to us and the way the Father does us, it would change our homes, it would change our church, it would change our culture. The same way God meets our needs freely and openly and graciously, the way he treats us and the way we want others to treat us, that's how we are to treat others. And that is a huge challenge. And I just want to point out, this isn't a way to heaven. Because there's people who treat this that way. You know, they, they, you know if I just live by the golden rule, if I could just be, do my best to be nice to people and do what, the, then surely when I die, I'll go to heaven. No, 
In fact, what this does, it points out how undeserving of heaven we really are. I mean, think about it. Parents, when do you quote this verse? You know, it's right when war is breaking out, right? It's right when those little darlings show their sin nature. That's when you quote this verse. And when do we find this so difficult for ourselves? Right at the point when everyone, everything in us wants to, do, to act out, right? Right when we want to give someone a piece of our mind. Right when we want to force our own way. When our internal thoughts are screaming at us to treat them in any other way than the way we should treat them. See, we might admire this statement. We might even try to live by it. But without him in our lives, we'll never live out that sin. It's so big that Jesus says, this is the law and the prophets. This brings the whole law down to one statement. We're always trying to, we always complicate things. We're just like the religious leaders of that time that had pointed out there were 630 laws or whatever to, to try to follow. And, and and Jesus is always bringing it down to the core for us. And he brings it here. He says, this is the law and the prophet. This brings it all down. This is it. This one command sums up the whole law. That Torah, that why it's carrying around on his back, this is it in one sentence. It's such a huge challenge. And it starts with our relationship with God. See, the sort of love that says, I'll pursue your good no matter who you are, regardless of what it will cost me, that kind of love only comes from God, especially when we're talking about showing it to those that don't love us. And Jesus has already made that point earlier in this message. In Matthew 5, verse 43, he said, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yeah, we're, we're called to a higher standard. Loving those who love us. That's easy compared to what we're told here. There's a cost to pay. Jesus gives us clear teaching on prayer, all based on the character and the goodness of our Father. But his teaching challenges us in a couple of ways. It challenges us to persist in praying no doubt about that. But it also challenges us to love others like our Father loves us. See, if we know him, we shouldn't feel comfortable choosing any other option with any other person. If you've been choosing another option, if there's someone in your life that you've distanced yourself from for some reason and you haven't been loving them the way you would want to be loved and you haven't been loving them the way God loves you, then it's time to fix that situation. It's time to get that right it, because it not only impacts your relationship with them, it impacts your relationship with your father. And if you don't know him, if you've never started a relationship with him, you can do that right now in the quietness of your own heart.
just tell him. Tell him. Confess to him the fact that you know you're a sinner and you need forgiveness. And you know you can't fix that on your own. And so you're turning to him. You're asking him. This is, I promise you, if you turn to him right now and ask him, he will change your life. He'll give you new life. He'll come into your life. You ask him, you ask him telling him that you're trusting in his son's death on the cross to pay for your sin because you know you can't pay for yourself. Put that in your own words. Ask him and he will come into your life. And the promises of God's word of his hearing your prayers will become a reality in your life. Your sin will be forgiven and you'll have eternity with him. In just a minute, we're going to close the service. Tim's going to come lead us in a song. And after the service, if you want to talk to someone, if you've made that decision and you want to talk to a pastor, they'll be right back here in this room, what we call room one. You can come talk to us about that. Just let us know. We just want to celebrate that with you. Or if you have questions and you want to talk to someone about those questions, we'd be glad to try to answer those. But if you're a believer here today and in some way, this message has spoken to you either because, hey, you're realizing I need, to, I need to be more consistent in my prayer life. I want it to be real. I want it to be alive. Or you're thinking, yeah, I've got some relationships I need to do some repair on. Then my encouragement to you is don't put that off. Get started with that today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for your goodness, your love for us your provisions for us. It's so great. It's so amazing. It overwhelms us. And Father, we ask now that our lives be made right with you. For those who maybe, Father, are in here today and they don't know you, Father, they take that step of faith and come to, come to, to a relationship by faith in you. And for those of us who are your children, Father, you're, we are believers and, and God, maybe there's things in our lives that aren't right. I pray, God, that we, we, we get that cleared up today. Thank you for loving us in spite of all of our failures. We love you in Jesus' name.